Hey, welcome. You're listening to My Teeth Need Attention. I am Joe Tunis, your host. In this episode, we're going to get to the second part of an interview I, I did with Eric Hardiman, uh, guitarist from Albany, New York, label owner of Tape Drift. Uh, he plays guitar in his solo project Rambutan and also in Century Plants. Uh, Burnt Hills, which is this great collective of musicians out of Albany. So in the first um, part of the interview in the last episode, which I encourage you to go listen to if you haven't already, uh, we talk about those projects. We talk about uh, his uh, childhood, where he grew up, um, high school, college years, how he got into music, uh, his hiatus from playing music. Uh, and then his kind of awakening once he got to Albany and met uh, Jack and the other folks uh, involved in the Burnt Hills group. In this episode, we're going to listen to Eric talk about his new projects or more recent projects. Uh, Spiral Wave Nomads, which is a duo he has with Michael Kiefer out of New Haven and a four piece he's in called Sky Furrows uh, which is actually um, a reconnection of his uh, the woman who sings in that band Karen uh, actually went to college with Eric and they hadn't seen each other in years and years and years and just happened to land in the same town and start playing music together so we're going to listen to uh, some tracks from those bands as well. And we're also going to talk about the uh, Rambutan project he's been working on for the past year called Parallel Systems. Uh, about a year ago, he had an idea to collaborate with uh, a lot of people and friends he knows during the COVID shutdown. He invited a number of people to send him tracks. Uh, that list kept growing and growing, and uh, it landed around, I don't know, somewhere between like 60 and 80. Uh, he then took the tracks that people, you know, kind of blindly submitted, not knowing how they were going to be used or, or combined with others. And he spent the last, uh, you know, year curating uh, those pieces together in what he calls systems. And that release is going to come out uh, this summer on a double CD. So very excited about that. I was psyched to uh, participate in that and, and, and more than psyched to see who else participated in it. So it's pretty interesting. So we talk about that in this uh, part of the interview as well. Uh, and I'll play some tracks from that too. Eric was kind enough to send me a couple preview tracks from that release so we'll get to those as well um what you're hearing in the background here is some rambutan material from a split lp he did with shumoto which is a jefferson pitcher out of uh it looks like he's out of uh florence mass i think that's western mass right so this is a uh an lp that's called the migration to warm rivers it's on the lost forest label it was an edition of 100 it came out a handful of years ago kind of paste on covers so we'll listen to this for a little bit more and then we're going to get into the interview and then uh yeah and then we'll um 
I'll play uh, some uh, tracks from Sky Furrows, Sparrow Wave Nomads, and the Parallel Systems release from Rambutan and various other people. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts. And also, I have it up on Spotify now, Spotify Podcast. There are links to both of those on the MyTeethNeedAttention.com website. And you can also follow My Teeth Need Attention on Instagram to get the latest kind of news and information and stupid photos I post. <laughs> Uh, thanks again. Uh, rate and review us if you can. Oh, I'm also on Mixcloud.com slash CarbonJoeTunis. And you'll see up there there'll be episodes of the podcast uh, kind of mixed in with the radio show I do on WAYO here in Rochester, New York, a low-powered FM station that I'm super proud of. So there's uh, episodes of both of those all kind of mixed into the same account so you get uh, the best of both worlds. All right, so let's get back to the music, and then we'll get to the interview. Thanks again for tuning in. projects so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a couple going on right now you have sky furrows sky furrows right yeah. and with the aforementioned karen right karen karen who Schilmer, you knew yeah. from college right yeah and spiral wave nomad so talk about those two projects yeah. and how those things happened so scott uh i guess we'll start we'll we'll talk about sky furrows first so sky furrows um so we were doing all these bands and solo projects and labels mike griffin moved up here from new york city um, connected with him through Burn Hills. He joined Burn Hills. He does Parashi. That's his solo project, mm -hmm. which is amazing. We collaborate, you know, we do projects together. He sits in with, with Century Plants sometimes. Phil Donnelly, who's the drummer of Burn Hills, also sits in with Century Plants a lot. So there's like this whole cross-pollination scene going on in Albany where we've all got 
record labels. We've all got uh, our tape labels. You know, we've all got different bands, solo projects, and we're booking shows. And like for almost a good decade, we booked shows um, in Albany as part of this thing called, that we founded called the Albany Sonic Arts Collective or ASAC as we, A-S-A-C. And um, that, that was just amazing because then whenever a band came through or, or an artist came through from another country or another state, another city, um, we put on a show, play with them, get to know them, you know, kind of build community that way. Mm -hmm. So we were all playing a lot. And at one point we, we and we would do weird things. Like we did a, um, we did a, I don't know what year this was. It must've been like, I don't know, 2004, 2005, something like that. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Sorry, no, it's much later. It must've been 2010, something like that. We did a 12 hour drone where there, there were five of us, sorry, six of us. There's me, Ray, Mike Bullock, who's a bass player from, from Boston and now Western Mass, uh, Mike's wife, Linda, and um, me, Ray, Mike, Linda, Jason Costco, who's a local noise artist here in Albany, and then Holland Hobson, um, who's a good friend of mine who was living in Albany at the time. <clears throat> and the six of us said, what if we like, set up in this art gallery and we play from noon to midnight and and we all play the whole time like like it's going to be like a marathon performance and 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 not everybody played the whole time like i think holland's kid was sick at the time and he had to go home for like two hours for dinner to help out his sick kid um uh and i think you know other people like went and grabbed a slice of pizza for 20 minutes or whatever but like i think i played for almost the whole time except for maybe a couple restroom breaks um but literally you know we played from noon to midnight and at one point i think we had advertised it on facebook and at one point karen Schomer had responded on facebook that she and i wasn't friends with her but she, facebook friends with her but mm -hmm. she responded that she was coming to that we called it the river of drone so it's the River of Drone, 12 hour yeah. extravaganza at this local tiny little art gallery in Albany. And um, she responded, she was coming and I was like, oh my God, that's, you know, I like clicked on her Facebook profile. I was like, that's the Karen Schomer that I knew back in Williamsburg. I didn't even know she lived up here, you know, like, wow, she's coming to this. So she, she came and brought her husband at the time and her daughter. And, there, and, and the way this river thing worked was it's kind of like a shoebox shaped gallery. So we all set up along the, the corridor of the gallery and people could kind of, listeners, audience members could kind of walk and move around oh, and yeah, yeah. Okay. hear the Go sound. Go through the stream kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that was the concept. It's yeah, yeah, kind, of, yeah. kind of a weak concept. But um, <laughs> so at one point, like I'm playing and like totally, you know, my back hurts because I've been sitting on the floor <laughs> playing for four hours. And I see Karen walk in with her husband and daughter and I'm like, Oh my God, that's Karen Schomer. I got to say something. So like, I, but I was playing. So like I took a break at one point, I noticed she was standing on the sidewalk out front. And so I kind of, you know, introduced myself and I said, Hey, Karen, I don't know if you remember me from college, but like I was a DJ, I was a freshman when you were the station manager and she was just like, oh my God, like, you know, and, and like, you know, she did not remember me, but I remembered her, yeah. you know, cause I was just a freshman, <clears throat> but we, we, you know, she kept in touch with Mark Masters. I kept in touch with Mark Masters. So there are all these connections. Um, 
And so we kind of kept in touch after that and just through Facebook and like every now and then we'd send an email, Hey, what's going on? Whatever. And she came to a couple burn Hills parties, I think. Um, and, you know, kind of experienced burn Hills in its full glory. And then I, and then I found out that she was doing poetry. She, you know, she's a, a very accomplished writer. Like she's written, she wrote, um, uh, a book about women in rock music in the 50s. She's written lots of articles for like the New York Times and Rolling Stone and Esquire. And like, she's a very accomplished rock mm -hmm. writer. Um, but she's kind of stopped doing that and only does poetry now. So anyways, we're talking and we're like, you know, I think, I don't know who mentioned it, but we said, you should come by and like collaborate with Burn Hills sometime, like jam with us. <laughs> like, we'll set you up with a microphone and you can do poetry over <laughs> Burn Hills. Uh, which is kind of crazy because of the volume, <laughs> just because of the volume. Like there's yeah, yeah. no, there's yeah, yeah. no, no PA where a, a poet could be heard, but, but she did. She was like, yeah, I'll do that. So she came and she, you know, uh, I have the recording of it. You can barely hear her, but it, but it had moments where it was like, this is really cool. And um, at the same time she had been, she's good friends with Reckless Eric. Do you, do you know Reckless Eric? Who was on he was on Stiff Records back in the 70s, like part of that scene with like um, Elvis Costello and Ian Dury and the Blockheads okay. back in the late 70s uh, sort of punk era in London. And anyways, he now lives in Catskill. And so he and Karen became friends and his wife is Amy Rigby, who, who released like a bunch of records in the 80s and 90s and still releases solo records. Anyways, Karen's friends with them. She was in a band with them. They couldn't, I think she, uh, I don't know what happened. She had a show lined up and they couldn't make it or something. So she, somehow it got suggested that like, maybe we could take a smaller subset of Burn Hills, which was me, Griff and Phil um, and jam with Karen and, and see if we could kind of back her basically for this one-off show no intention of it being like a full band it was like mm -hmm. yeah they, you know, let, let, let's jam and see what happens so we we go up to um mike griffin's we call him griff but go up to griff's basement and set up you know me on bass griff on guitar phil on drums and karen doing vocals and play at a volume where you can hear karen and and literally because all we do in burn hills is improvise so we don't have songs yeah. karen karen brought <laughs> some poetry and she said i'm gonna bring a few poems and you know you guys do what you do and we'll just see what happens and so we started this uh i don't know like i started this kind of riff on the bass griff started doing something phil started doing something and played instrumentally for like a minute or so and then karen came in and started reading this poem and it, it was like and i've said this in other interviews but it, it was like shocking to me because it felt like it felt like it had always been. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, it literally felt like her words were fitting in to what we were playing, the timing and what Phil was doing on drums was responding to her vocals. And like, like literally it was like a 15 minute piece. And at the end, like it stopped. And I just looked at everyone and I was like, okay, we have to be a band. Like the, I don't care what you guys say, we have to be a band. Like, like this is, that, that was too good. Um, and that became that became the longer track that's on the record, the one that's like the more experimental um, track. It's called Ensenada. 
that's on our record. But so then we, you know, we're like, all right, let's, let's keep jamming. And so we would just keep playing. And so basically the, the methodology is like, it kind of changed a little bit. Griff would kind of write a riff on guitar. And then like, I would, you know, he'd bring it to the band and Phil and I would kind of figure out a rhythm part. Karen would do vocals, but like almost all first take stuff. And then we would record it and then sort of learn it back. Learn, yeah, yeah, yeah. And be like, all right, this this worked, that didn't work, you know, let, let's make this a song. And then pretty quickly, like after a couple practices, we had that whole first record, those those songs written. And it was like, oh my God, this this is amazing. And we did a couple shows and like the shows were even better. And Karen had not really been in bands before. And, and she was just like, you know, a kid in a candy store. She was like, oh, th this is like playing in a band is like the most amazing, ex you know, it's that same thing, like coming to it late in life where it's like, you can enjoy it for the pure joy of it. And mm -hmm. she, she's just, she's, her lyrics are so good. Her poetry is so good. She, her delivery, when she's on stage, I mean, like everyone in the audience is just like wrapped around her fingers. She's just yeah. like a really, not, not in a, um, overly pretentious way but like she she just delivers these dramatic lines and everybody's like hanging on every word and we're playing you know and we feed off each other too so like if we make it more intense she gets more intense and um it's got some improvisational kind of elements in that way it's great because you're yeah the music is just like meditative because you're sort of yeah you're almost looping right yeah what well, you're like laying down this thing it's kind of like the fall and you know well we are uh, other than Karen, and not that she doesn't like the fall, but the the other three of us, maybe maybe Phil less so, but but Griff and I are huge fall fanatics. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, we we can talk about the fall for hours on end, <laughs> and talk about esoteric elements of the fall and records and all that stuff. So like the idea of rep and all of us just being into weird music, like we love repetition, right? Mm -hmm. So that's been a key part of Sky Furrows is like, all right, we're just going to kind of hit a riff. And just keep playing it and let Karen be the let Karen be the focus with her poems. Um, and and man, it is just, it's so much fun. But it's it was also weird for me because it was like, wait, I have to learn parts. <laughs> I, I have to like know when to come in. I have to know when to shift, you know, my bass playing like I, it's like the opposite. Like some people have to learn how to improvise. Like I was I got pretty used to improvising. Yeah. But then playing songs felt like wow, how do I work this muscle? I don't know how to do this. Um, but actually now I love it because now it's like I got all the improv stuff with Rambutan and with Century Plants and with Burn Hills and wherever else and, and Spiral Wave Nomads, which I'll talk about next. Um, but then with Sky Furrows, like I can totally shift that over and do songs. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really cool because I, like I, I kind of realize now that like audiences love songs and and I'll sound like I'm contradicting myself about not, not wanting earlier when I said I don't want to like make music for people to enjoy necessarily. But it's been really uh, cool with Sky Froze because every time we do a show, it, it is just like people come up to us afterwards and they're like, oh, my God, you guys are amazing. Like, I had, I've never heard this kind of thing. And like, it's really cool. People really connect with it live. Um, and they're like, I love the record, but the, you know, I feel like Sky Furrows is a live band. I feel like it, we really connect on a live level. Yeah. So I don't know. I love that band. I love being in that band. It's just been so much fun. Um, you know, and, and like, we're also, I think the other common link with that band is, is flying Nun And like, uh, you know, the clean, like we're all huge clean fans. And yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. 
we purposely wanted to have a lot of chiming guitars and like not a ton of distortion necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some, but it's, it's more about like, let's just, are the bats, the bats, the clean, the Verlaines, you know, we're all huge Verlaines fans. Um, that just sort of like repetitive kind of chiming guitars, ringing guitars and driving rhythms, you know, so that that's, those are the kind of things that we bonded over as a yeah. four
entered a room A row of blue doors faced the ocean Narrow timbered legs extended down the cliffside beneath the balcony The lock was broken on the inside. We didn't know what to do. There was no phone, no TV. We were afraid to leave. We ate what we had with us. Bags of chips, warm soda from a convenience store. A painting of the ocean hung next to a window with the same view. The sun hastened its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands. senses. Darkness stole into the room. Transparent crests and peaks played across the walls. The sound of waves grew louder. We lay on our backs, listening. Each crash became distinct. Seemed defiant and alive. We felt as if we were at war with an unseen enemy, each wave a soldier wielding a bayonet, aiming to pierce us. And that as they fell one by one to their deaths on the rocks below, they nevertheless pressed closer to us. chased its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands.
opened and shut. We heard murmuring voices, bursts of laughter. Footsteps approached along the balcony. We lay frozen side by side as if in a shared coffin, staring upward, afraid to speak. There was nothing we could do. Neither one of us could protect the other. We had no plan, no weapon. We were only one person. Silence was emerging. Fear, a single artery connecting our blood. Night abandoned its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands. Outside our room, the stranger's shadow rippled on the curtain. For a while, he didn't move. Life drained out of us. We were dead as water, dead as rocks, dead as the road that threaded the cliffs. And in that death was a joining, a temporal absence from ourselves. The motion that had brought us here wound backwards like a marble up a ramp. Mere physics carried us. Consciousness without will. Daylight dawned its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands.
barked and hissed. A breeze carried smoke into the room. The sensation jolted us. Time started up again. The sound of waves diminished. We realized in a rush that he was not there to hurt us. We were not one person. Moments offered themselves for the choosing. His footsteps resumed along the deck and down the stairs at the side of the building. We pulled our suitcases out from the closet, our money from inside a pillowcase shoved at the foot of the bed. The sun chimed its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands. So uh, Spiral Wave Nomads is you and Mike, Mike Kiefer? Mike Kiefer, yeah, right? from, yeah, from New Haven. Yeah, totally different thing. And so, um, man, what, what a weird story there. I put out a tape on this label called a couple of, several years ago, probably four years ago now, uh, on a label called uh, These Are Not Records. Have you heard of that label? Yeah, yeah. yep. Yeah, and he, I think he's somewhere down near Poughkeepsie or Westchester County, kind of lo- lower... New York State, and a really nice guy named Kevin Elbert who runs that label. One of Mike's bands had a, a you know a release on these are not records, so we became label mates. And so Kevin must have sent him, like as label owners do, a bunch of the tapes on yeah, that yeah, label. Yeah. And so he sent him the Rambutan tape, and so Mike listened to it and dug it. And so I get this random email from this guy. Never never met him. Never heard of him. And he, he was like, hey, my name's Mike. Um, uh, I just want to let you know, you know, I got your tape and on These Are Not Records and I really dig it. And, you know, uh, nice work. And, you know, it was like a really short email, but it was like I really dug your tape. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, man, you know, 
very rarely do I get those random emails from from fans, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and so I wrote him back and I was like, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. You know, it's awesome that you took the time to listen to it and thank you. And, you know, that was kind of the end of it. A couple of weeks later, I get another email from him and he says, hey, I've been listening to tape even more. And um, I, I just want to tell you I'm a drummer. And sometimes what I do to this is him talking. Sometimes what I do to practice is I'll take instrumental music like kind of abstract instrumental, you know, ambient or whatever music and I'll drum to it and like practice to it, you know, just to practice my chops on the drums. And he's like, I've been doing that to your tape and it, it sounds really cool together. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he was like, you know, uh, and he, I think there might've been some line in there about like, I recorded it, you know, it sounded really cool together. And, and, and it was, that was it. He didn't like say mm -hmm. we should be a band or anything like that. And so I wrote him back and I was like, wow, you know, that, that's, that's incredible. You know, that you're playing drums to my music, you know, it's weird. It's, it's, it's just bizarre. But so I said, I just out of curiosity, if you've got the recording, you know, would you be willing to send it? I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear what you did with it. And so he sends me this tape or, or an MP3, you know, an electronic file of the first side of my tape. Now, he didn't do the whole thing, but the first side with drums. And I was just kind of blown away, not by all of it. Some of it I didn't like. Some of it I was like, oh, yeah, this piece never needed drums and maybe doesn't I was going to say, it'd be, it'd be hard to, I think, take a whole side of a tape and either find yeah. the right drums to add to it or not, yeah. or no, but, you know, oh, I don't really. But he's, he's just practicing anyway, so he's just like jamming over it. Exactly, but he's yeah. also really skilled at that. Like maybe because he's practiced with a lot of music that way, but like he knew what it needed. And there were, I would say, I don't know, 60 to 70% of that side, I was like, this is incredible. Like I had not imagined drums on any of these tracks and I'm loving it. So I write him back and I'm kind of like, man, th this is really cool. And so I suggested, I said, what if we tried a project where I actually sent you some brand new music that I'm kind of envisioning drums uh, would help. And then, you know, you add drums and send it back to me and we kind of do some file sharing collaboration. And that's how our whole first album was recorded, was, was just tr the self-titled uh, Spire Wave Nomads. That's pretty amazing. I mean, when you listen to it, it, it sounds organically done. Well, you know, we, it sounds like you guys sat down and jammed and we weren't trying to trick anybody, but we also like didn't put that in any of the promotional materials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I didn't want people to be I didn't want reviewers and people to be like, oh, this is a band by mail. You, now you that know. would be normal. Well, and that would become <laughs> well, it would be normal. But this was pre pandemic. No, I know. Yeah. And. I also thought it would become the focus of every review. Like everyone's yeah, just yeah. going to talk about that. And so I was like, I kind of want this to stand on its own. So let's just, let's just send it out to people and, and not say anything. Just say, mm -hmm. Hey, we're a guitar and drum duo. Here's our record. And it, and it worked. People like really responded and really dug the record. Ted Lee dug the record at feeding tube and was willing to co-release it. Um, and we didn't, you know, we didn't tell anyone that it was done that way, but we had, so we had never met. We had, we'd never even done like a zoom like this. I think at one point Mike was like, Hey, we should probably talk on the phone. And, and I was like, I don't know. I'm not really good on the phone. I don't really like talking on the phone, but yeah, I guess if I have to. So we talked for a few minutes one day, but like email was working for us. And like, you know, we, we would just like you would with any new friend, you'd be like talking about bands you like in an email and like, 
but then it was also this really beautiful thing because because we didn't know each other there was no sort of uh dancing around the issue if we didn't like something so if he sent me a drum track oh, and, and i wasn't into it i i didn't really worry about hurting his feelings i'd be like i'm not really feeling that can you do something new and likewise if i sent him you know a guitar part and he, he would say eh that's that's not really what it needs try again whereas like ray and i you know now we're a little better about that but like at the beginning like i think we didn't want to hurt each other's feel you know it's kind of like oh yeah that's 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 cool that's good you know nice job like yeah. you know how you're nice and supportive to each other <laughs> um but mike and i could kind of like be really frank and honest about it so it, it was a relationship that worked really well and then you know then so we put the record out people seemed to dig the record and then we're like all right we gotta you know we gotta meet <laughs> and we gotta do a show so like we got invited to play a show at um it was like a festival sort of thing at uh, Bell Tower Records, like their opening event when they were open, uh, Wes and Andrea, Western Mass, North Adams, Massachusetts, had this great record shop called Bell Tower Records. If you ever get up there, you got to go. That's great. the, is that the photos? I've seen photos of you guys playing. It's like a lot, kind of a lot, warehouse loft space. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. There were a bunch of bands playing yeah, I gotta that get day. Out there. And um, like, what, what's that band? Um, Taiwan housing project played, but you know, sunburn played, uh, there, but you know, it's just like really cool to be invited to play. And we're like, all right, we've never met in person, but like, <laughs> let, let's see if this works. And so, um, actually, I'm sorry, before we did the show, we played at my house. So we had Mike, uh, drove down from new Haven. We set up the drums at my house. We introduced each other, like literally in my driveway. He parked in my driveway. I'm like, hey, I'm Eric. I'm Mike. Nice to meet you. Let, let's play. Now we've put out a record together. Let, let's actually jam. And, and so we set up the drums and amps in my uh, family room, set up some microphones around the room and played for like eh, three, three and a half hours, maybe four hours with some breaks. And literally, and it was, you know, kind of Burn Hill style. It was like, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to I mean, I think he was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. Let's just, you know, let's just start playing and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And and so I started something on guitar. He came in on drums and we play for 20 minutes. And then, you know, it's wow, that was fun. Let's do it again. And so, we, you know, and I'd play something different and he'd come in and do something different. And it was just great. It was just like, all right, you know, it's a good good thing that, that we, you know, enjoyed meeting each other because th this is really working out. Like, it's really fun playing together. So we recorded that whole kind of jam session, so to speak, at my house. That and then edits from that became the second record that was just put out in what January January first. Yeah. Yeah, and that was on year. Feeding Tube and Twin Lakes and Twin Lakes, which is Mike's yeah. label. That's his yeah. label. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I so didn't, that, I don't, that's I don't called. Know the record's called First Encounters because it was the first time we met. <laughs> you know? It sounds all sounds all like alien. And, <laughs> I, know. I, yeah. I, I yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I knew he was in More Clementines. So yeah, yeah I that's, came across those guys. Uh, yeah, you know, before great. the yeah. first spiral wave nomads. And I, yeah, I met him because he came down to the Tubby show. I think uh, that Pango played with Rob Noyes. Mm. You and Mike came down and yeah, and Ray. Or no, wait, did I meet him there? Yeah, no, I don't think he was. No, it that. was New Haven. It was the night before. Okay. Because we yeah. played New Haven and uh and I'm he, sure he came out yeah. there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a a great guy. He's really, you know, he's played in a lot of bands. He's friends with all the mountain movers and headroom guys. And, you know, I knew it like, it wasn't like a total stranger in the sense I hadn't met him, but like, I checked with Chrissy and other people that I, that I know in New Haven. I was like, is this guy okay? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> is, you know, is he the crazy that no one will let in their band? You know? <laughs> right. I did. I'm sure he did the same at all. He probably was like, who is this guy? Like, should I really be in a band with him? Um, but yeah, we get along really well. And like, so now we text all the time and we're working on new ideas and we're, you know, planning to get together and do some recording again. Also maybe outside or, you know, maybe once we're, both fully vaccinated kind of do some indoor recording but yeah 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 that that's been a really fun project and that's that's all improv um you know not both of those records i mean actually sorry the first record i still think of it as improv it's probably i guess improv is maybe not the right word but like i would record an improv guitar part send it to him he would add drums and then i might add a bass line so it's not full improv i'll I'll count that as improv yeah, it's kind of like a, yeah, you know, a, I get it. Yeah. a middle ground. I but mean, this, there's always the case of what is improv, you know. Always, um, yeah. We all have tool, we all have tools in our pocket. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> right. But the second record really is like the second record we, you know, there was almost no conversation. It was like let's just jam. Yeah. You know, um and and it was really good cuz I like I felt and so we've done two shows now. We played that one show and then we played at the um Half Moon in Hudson. Yeah, we opened for Wet Tuna at that show, which was really fun. I remember I did a show with Corey where we were playing together, and um, I was listening to uh, some Dead Sea record a ton that day, and I kind of realized I learned one of the guitar parts, <laughs> and I fucking played it. Internalized we were, it, yeah. While we were improving. And of course, he recognized it, but nobody else would, right? Com- yeah. No, but it completely ruined our. Like it was a really horrible improv set. Oh, we got man. we got done, and we're like, Ugh. I'm like, dude, sorry. He's like, what? Why were you covering that? I'm like, I. It was like a mistake, and I did it. I just did this weird, you know. Morley, Michael Morley has this certain like. Uh, there's a certain chord change that's very him, and I don't know. Oh, yeah. some, some interval change, right? Yeah. That he does. Yeah. In like mostly gate. And I did it. And it, like my head went there. Right. And I kept doing it. Um, and yeah, it was a really painful, like as you were playing, it was painful. Right. Right. The crowd was like, that was great. And I'm like, it was, it was so painful. Yeah. It is so and, funny. Like all those years in Albany when we were doing the Albany Sonic Arts Collective, like had so many like really meaningful conversations with folks like Matt Weston who's an amazing um, percussionist, drummer, friend of mine, Holland Hobson, Mike Bullock. And like, like Holland especially was really good about sort of like, I, I keep using the word mentoring, but like kind of teaching me that like, what do you do after a show, an improv show where you know you've not played so well or, or you're not satisfied with it? And and he was like, he was re- he's always been really good about like, well, A, you never apologize. <laughs> You just don't like, yeah, like yeah. you know, and, and you also kind of brush it off. You're like, you can't worry about it. Cause I used to agonize over it and I would record my live shows yeah. and then I'd go home and listen to them at midnight and be like, Oh man, I blew it at that point. Or I wish I had played this instead of that. And then like, at some point I had to really like take his words to heart and be like, if I'm going to be fully in the moment and fully improvising, like 
it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay for things to go south and not, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's part of improv. It's, it's like, you just have to roll with it and not, not beat yourself up over it. Major league baseball players are experts at their craft and they still only hit the ball one out of three times. Totally. Right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. Totally. So like, if you think about improv, like there's no way you're going to have a yeah. great improv yeah. set every time you do it. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't be the same not. if you did. Like if you yeah. if you nailed it every time, it would be like a job or it would be just like yeah. a computer. It just wouldn't be much fun. And there's times you know? where I'll yeah. play a set and I'll get done. I'm like, oh, that did not feel good at all. And then I listen to recording. I'm like, oh, that fucking sounds great. Totally. And those like, are the wow, best that's ones. Weird. Like yeah. my head yeah. was somewhere else yeah. while I was playing and I didn't pick up I, on what I was going on. I listened back to something recently and I forgot what it was. It was, um, oh, I know. It was a thing that, that, uh, Griff and I had done with Chalik, you know, with our friend Nick from England and Phil. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, I was listening back to this recording that we had done from a live show where we had played up in Greenfield, Massachusetts with the four of us as a quartet. Griff on guitar, Nick on guitar, me on bass and Phil on drums. And I remember that night just being like super unhappy with the performance. I just felt like we weren't inspired. It was kind of a downer night. Like nobody showed up at the club. There was just some weird, I mean, it was great to see some of our friends, but like, it just wasn't that like transcendent experience that I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And I'd I'd never really listened back to the recording afterwards because I was like, yeah, that I just wrote that set off. And I listened to it this week in the car and, and I almost stopped the car a couple of times. I was almost like, we got to, we should put this out because like, I'm, I'm actually loving this recording.
Um, I wanted to talk about this uh, Giganto project that you're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. Parallel Systems. All right. So, yeah. So sometime during the pandemic, early on in 2020, so like March or April, I wish I, I probably could check my emails and Facebook messages to figure out the day. But I, I kept thinking, like, what am I going to do musically? Like, I got invited to do a couple live stream things, and I, and I passed I passed on them because I, I just thought, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sit in my basement and have a video camera. It just doesn't, it just seems, but like, I was just like, no, thanks. I'm not going to do that. But, but I still, I was missing the community. I was missing like playing with Burn Hills, with Griff, with Sky Furrows, with anybody, you know, I was just missing that. Like I can record stuff solo at home. I can keep putting out tapes and records, whatever. And I, you know, I did that anyways, but I want something that's also collaborative, something that's got some community element to it. It's like, what can I do? And like, I, I've always loved um, the Faust tapes, mm -hmm. you know, that record, Faust mm -hmm. tapes, you know, which is kind of like this convoluted, for anyone who doesn't know, and I'm sure most of your listeners know it, record that Faust did where they edited together a lot of tapes, little snippets of jams here and there, and they sort of collaged it all together in, into this flowing kind of work. And I was like, what if I got a handful of my friends to send me parts that they record at home during the pandemic. They send them to me and I edit them. I, I kind of put them together in a collage, a sonic collage. And I was thinking like five people. I was thinking like, I'll ask Griff to send me something. I'll ask, you know, Mike Kiefer to send me something. Just, you know, Ray, a couple people I know. And then I was like, you know, all right, well, this, this seems like, something doable like if you know people could send me parts i wouldn't know what to expect i gave them no i said you can send me anything it, it can be recorded on your iphone it can be recorded at the supermarket it can be uh you know high-tech recording in a studio it can be just just send me something it can mm -hmm. be a field recording it doesn't even have to be your main instrument just send me something it can be 10 seconds long it can be 10 minutes 10 hours just send me something if you're into it right so i invited I kept inviting more and more people and it, it kept kind of snowballing. And then I, I eventually got up to like 20 people and I was like, oh my gosh, th this is kind of a, a thing. Like it's sprawling a little bit. And, and I tested it out. So, th so the idea was, and the concept wasn't fully formed, but the idea was just like, I'm going to take this raw material that people send me and put random, not random is probably not the right word, but, but put some, quasi-random uh, pairings together. Mm -hmm. Like, have you play with someone in Finland that you don't know? So it'd be Joe Tunis and Auntie Tolvi collaborating. And my vision was like, I'm kind of the ringmaster who's like- Yeah, you're like curating almost. Yeah, I'm like curating. Yeah. And I was almost thinking of it as duos, like like they would, and then I, and then I started to think bigger. You know, I was like, I, I should kind of expand this outward and make it into true collages where there's like multiple people collaborating. And that, that's where the idea came. So the, the project um, grew and grew and grew. So I, I probably invited about 80 people to participate at the end. And, and I didn't really intend it, but I was just getting excited and people would write back instantly and be like, I'd be glad to you know, I'm, sounds like a great idea. I'll send you something. And so like that positive reinforcement kept me going. Uh, and some of these people are like total heroes of mine, you know, 
getting Mike Watt from the Minutemen and Firehose to, to record yeah, some. I watched your promo thing earlier with the list of people and I was blown away. Yeah, I had yeah, no I, mean, it, I thought it was, was going to be all like, you know, underground noise dudes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there is a fair amount of that, but but there's also, you know, there's also some some rock folks, some luminaries. Yeah. And I was like, I might as well ask these people. And they're all people that like I've met or I sort of know through a friend of a friend or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of part of the idea was I wanted to have some connection to the person. So I've never met Campbell Neal, but, you know, we've released stuff on each other's labels. We've uh, communicated for years through Facebook and email. And like, I feel like I know him, even though yeah, I've yeah, never yeah, met him. Yeah. So I have a connection with him. So it was a given that I was going to ask Campbell, you know, but there's some people I haven't met um, that, you know, hey, might as well take a shot and see if this works. But I feel a, a strong connection to their music. The music's mm-hmm. important to me, right? Everyone that's on this project their music has meant something to me. And that, that was really important. Like I want to collaborate quote unquote virtually with all of these people around the world and also have them collaborate with each other. So again, you collaborating with someone in Finland, collaborating with someone in Argentina from Reynolds, Mm -hmm. you know, just like all of this stuff happening. So, um, and I initially thought it would be like a massive track, like, like the Faust tapes almost, it would be like an hour long track that just flows you know, starts out in a rock vein and then goes to a free jazz vein and then moves over here and goes into some noise and glitch and techno or whatever. And and then that became too complicated and, and maybe aesthetically not so pleasing <laughs> um, as an idea. So, so then I, I sort of hit upon this idea pretty quickly of creating what I call these parallel systems. So each track is a system. It's like a you know, uh, almost like a band. So like there might be five collaborators on one track and that system, the parallel system of track one, system one, system two, system four, system five, I think of it as those people collaborating. So I even think about the personalities. So I know you, so I think about your personality and I know auntie over in Helsinki and what his personality is like. And I'm kind of imagining visually what would it be like if the two of them got together with my friend Rianne from Edinburgh, Scotland, got together with someone from New Zealand and, and like musically personality wise, what would they create? And, and then I was able to add some of my own contributions too and collage it all together in a way that sort of functions as its own little world sonically. So each, each track on the album is like a five to seven minute um, system. <laughs> I know that sounds a little pretentious, but like a, a system that, that's like a, a collaboration between those individuals on that yeah. track. So um, yeah, that's, that's the concept. And like, it, it just, there were, there were only a few, a few people that said no. And that's why I said, I asked 80 people probably. There are a couple of people that never got back to me. Yeah. I might have asked him twice and then I was like, all right, I guess I should stop asking. Uh, and there are a couple of people, you know, I won't, I won't call them out, you know, who are like, eh, it doesn't really sound like my thing. Um, and that's cool too. Like, like, yeah, yeah, I, sure. Yeah. Cause it involves a massive amount of trust. I feel like for someone to send me their material and like trust that what I'm going to come up with as a product from that, which is going to be totally different than what they sent me. <laughs> right. Like that it's that they're still going to like it, hopefully. And I don't know if they will. A lot of people haven't heard their tracks. I don't think you've heard the tracks that you I can't even remember to. what I said. 
I really yeah. like I've I've sent I've sent a fair number of tracks to people throughout the past year. And you know, most of my stuff uh when I'm sticking to my electric guitar, I can pretty much guess what it's going to sound like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be kind of heavy and droney and stuff. But then I've been doing like weird broken acoustic guitar stuff or yeah. total just like uh, experimental soundscape so, stuff. So you sent me, I'll tell you, you, you sent me one of the things you said, a couple of different things. One of the things you sent me I was sent you a some, couple things. Yep. Uh, short <laughs> things. Well, I mean, it was like a 30 second piece and oh, then okay. like a, a two minute thing, but like one of them was, um, or two of them, I think were um, prepared piano. I mean, it sounds like you scraping the insides of a piano. Uh, yeah. I took a piano apart in my really? shed. Yeah, which is amazing. Like it, it's just the right texture for a certain track, sure. you know, and um, I, I really wanted to kind of come up with some surprising juxtapositions. I mean, that's what collage is about, like yeah, either yeah. Vi visual collage or sonic collage is about like, all right, what, you know, what two things don't go together here. And, and when they do go together, make something really unique. But um, in D.C., there is a radio show on this on another community radio station there, WPFW which was literally a, a community-based grassroots radio station in DC. And there's this guy, um, I think his name is Thomas Stanley, who did like a late night show. And he had this, and it was cool, free jazz kind of stuff, right? But he had this hour, like, and I think his show is from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. And at 1 a.m., I wish I could remember the name. I still actually have tapes of some of his shows, but he would do this, um, this uh, theme every 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 week at 1 a.m. on a Sunday night where he would play two records at the same time. And, you know, yeah. and and records that don't go together. But but he was smart, like he would have like an instrumental hip hop beat on one turntable and then Evan Parker doing some circular breathing on the other turntable. Yeah. And and he would play it for like half an hour. And, and I'd just be like, you know, oh my God, this is amazing. Like you would never think of a hip hop thing with Evan Parker, or he would play a noise record on one turntable and someone doing, you know, some, I don't know, um, African vocal chant thing in the other record and the two things sound amazing mm -hmm. together. I, I used to, as a kid, often like play two radios in the same room tuned to different stations. And I, and I would just love walking around and kind of hearing how the, this, the, the songs would combine in weird ways. So all of this kind of led up to the pandemic year and creating this, like the idea of collage has always really appealed to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I used to love to do in college when we had, um, when I had a radio show was a good friend of mine who's now deceased, unfortunately, Eric Deidel, who was also a good friend of Mark's and a good friend of Karen's. Um, he and I had a show that was like from midnight to 3 a.m. in college, you know, which is like great, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's just great. Like nobody listens, uh -huh. but it was great. And, and it was called, his name is Eric. And so we were best friends freshman year. We Williamsburg, Virginia has like the colonial stuff. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to Williamsburg, but there's all this colonial tourist attractions, right? So we had this this show which we called Colonial Fun Time with Eric and Eric. <laughs> Anyways, it was it was kind of it wasn't really experimental, but it sort of was. And one of the things that that we loved, we were obsessed with freshman year, was the Negative Land record, um, a big ten eight place. I don't know if you've ever heard that. No. Record. It was one, one of yeah. the early records. It's hard to find. 
I don't think it ever got reissued. It was probably an addition of a couple hundred or whatever, but Eric had this record and, or someone in our circle of friends had this record and we would listen to it all the time. And it, it cause it was just the weirdest thing we'd ever heard. You know, if, you, if you've listened to Negative Land much, but it had the like plunderphonic kind of yeah, like, but it was it was of, early and it was much more okay. min- minimal than they got later on. Yeah, that's the stuff I know is like later on when they yeah, start, yeah. And then when they, they started getting into all the trouble and stuff like that. They got better at it. They they got yeah, more yeah. accomplished and they got better gear. But at the beginning, it was like really uh, lo-fi, but interesting characters and stories. And so we almost memorized these records. So we we had one night where we we basically performed DJs, like three of us in, in, in the studio performed that whole record acapella, you know, just like, like recreating. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you listen to the lighthouse by the shadow ring, there's all these weird phrases, mm-hmm. you know, that, that Graham Lampkin and Darren Harris would, would repeat, you know, um, just weird little phrases <laughs> anyway. So, so we had this like night of like recreating weird sounds at the, on the radio. And then we would sort of like, not really scratch, but we would like find weird records to play together and make, we would kind of do like sonic art on the radio live, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure no, again, I'm sure nobody ever listened to it, but it was super fun for us as DJs. And all of that sort of, again, like was part of my musical um, background, I guess, in some way of like, and I love Kristen Marclay. I love uh, Plunderphonics. I love stuff that samples and kind of juxtaposes things together. And so all of that, I guess, factors in somewhere in this collage idea. So anyways, yeah, so, so I've got this, so I, you know, in, out of those 80 invitations, 69 people agreed to send me tracks. Uh, a couple people agreed to send tracks and never sent them. <laughs> and I harassed them a little bit and then, then kind of stopped and kind of sure. said, all right, wasn't meant to be. Um, but I got 69 contributors, um, I think with myself included. So 68 plus myself, 69. Um, got 33 finished tracks. So there's 33 tracks, 69 contributors. Um, I wasn't, I was only going to put it up on Bandcamp. The idea was I was just going to do this digitally and kind of share it with all the contributors and just kind of wasn't really the idea. I'd never really thought of this as the idea of like making a a release, Mm -hmm. just a Bandcamp thing. I wasn't going to charge people for it. And then uh, I was telling Rob Foreman about it. And I don't know if you know Rob, he lives in Western Mass now, but he's a formerly Boston guy. Um, ran the sedimental or still runs sedimental records. Yeah, it, his name sounds very familiar. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a friend of mine. Um, but I was texting with him or Facebook messaging with him, and because he's one of the contributors to the project, and he was like, "How's it going?" You know, and I said, "Well, I'm done with it. I've got 33 tracks. It's sprawling. It's crazy." And 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 he immediately said, "Can I hear it?" And and I was kind of like, "Whoa." Uh, I haven't really let anybody hear these tracks. I, I mean, I think a couple people, I think I sent Derek Rogers one track just because he and I always send tracks back and forth to get feedback. So I think I sent him one thing just so he could hear it. I think I sent Griff one track because he and I also do that. But like for the most part, I, nobody's heard their tracks. And so the first person to ask was Rob. And, and I was like, yeah, um, sure, I'll send it to you. You know, just don't don't share it, but you know, I'll send you the tracks. So I sent him all the tracks and it took him a, uh, you know, a week or two, <laughs> but, but he, he was, uh, you know, genuinely pretty blown away by it. And he was like, you know, 
this is massive, you know, th this is a big project. This is a huge undertaking. Aesthetically, it's great. You know, I dig the music, I dig the concept, all of it. What if we, you know, put this out together as a co-release on our labels? And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, because he, he basically kind of convinced me, he basically said this, you, you should put this into a physical product. Mm -hmm. There's no way it could be a record. I thought about a cassette, but like, it's still, you know, it's 154 minutes of music. I mean, it, it's a ton of material. <laughs> So we came up with the idea of doing a two CD set. So um, we're getting it pressed up on full professional glass mastered CDs, two CDs, nice artwork, um, per, all professionally done. I think we're gonna do like 300 copies. Um, yeah, so, you know, who'll say, again, you know, I don't know if people buy CDs, maybe no one will buy it, that's fine. Yeah, we may lose may lose some money on it, but uh, I think people are buying CDs again. I I feel I know Daryl Norson is a huge proponent of CDs. He I know loves, he is. Yeah, and yeah, he goes he goes thrift shopping all the time and finds all these CDs for yeah. free because everyone's just yeah. dumping their CDs. Yeah, and uh, and Gray Holger, I don't know if you know Gray. I don't know him runs, personally, but I listen to his podcast. Yeah, yeah and he yeah. runs uh you know uh, label and conjetic sound and high, and he's a big proponent of yeah. Yeah, CD. I know. Yeah. Especially for like noise too. It's like perfect yeah. for like yeah. heavy bass noise and stuff like that. No, and some I things like good. yeah. There's some things like I can't imagine listening to Morton Feldman on a on a record. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, like right, right. Morton Feldman has to be on CDs. AMM for me. I love AMM. I'm a huge AMM fan, and they've got to be on CD. And I know some some labels have reissued some of their stuff on vinyl. I'm just not even interested because like I I want AMM CDs. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I like because most of their tracks are like a 60 minute track. I don't want to flip sides. I, I just, yeah. I just want to put that CD on and have it be pristine sound and get zone out to AMM, you know? Um, so I get it, you know, some bands are like that, but so, so the idea was not so much to make money off this. Cause I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, not make money off it. We'll lose <laughs> money off it. But, but the idea was just to, you know, to give it a physical uh, home and to kind of, it's been an awesome project. Again, if, if nobody buys it, if nobody listens to it, that'll be okay because I had such an amazing time putting it together. I learned a ton about mixing. I mean, I've, I've always kind of mixed and, and done some mastering on my own for my solo stuff and for stuff with bands. I mean, I know a little bit about mixing at home, but not much. But with this, I had to like thinking about spatial mixing and where voices are in the mix. And I mean, I, I, I've spent hundreds if not thousands of hours in the last year remixing remixing re-remixing and like trying to get each of these tracks just right um and and i think i, I mean i i'm a perfectionist so I, I could probably keep going with this but eventually i was like all right i gotta i gotta <laughs> stop you know so um i think it should be out sometime in june and yeah i hope people check it out well, kudos to you for taking uh, what seemed like a simple idea, <laughs> <laughs> inviting way too many people, then making it, quote, a simple, well, I'll just collage it all together, and then deciding, no, I need to make 33 separate yeah, tracks, and yeah. then doing all the mix. Like, that's insane. I can't imagine. It, well, part of it, you know, making it, making it 33 tracks was, was, I'm not sure that was the best decision, too, because, like, I could see any of those tracks be, you know, extending out to 15 minute pieces. Yeah. But I couldn't do that because then it would be a six CD box set. And like, I just didn't want to do that. Nobody wants to, to listen to that. Nobody has time. So um, it also taught me a lot about editing and like 
how do I get these into like a four minute, you know, a four minute drone piece is really different than a 20 minute drone piece. I usually prefer the 20 minute one because I like long form. I, I right. like to zone out to stuff. I like to, I like immersive music. I like to really, you know, be deep in it. And I, I worry a little bit that short tracks, you know, don't do that. But on the other hand, these are almost like songs. In a, I mean, they're not songs, but that, you know, uh, they, they, they're little worlds that you kind yeah, of en yeah. enter into that world for five minutes, take a breather and then enter into another world for five minutes. And so it, it's a different, Rob says, I never thought about this, but he said it, it, that both of the discs can be listened to on random. I kind of envision it with the sequence that I sequence the discs in, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. he said, oh my God, it works really beautifully if you just you know hit random on your CD player and you don't know what track's coming up. And you know, um, the, the CD, the booklet also has like the guide to it. So you can see like for, you know, system number 14, which is track 14, you can see who contributed to that track, which are the six players who are on that track. So you'll know, for instance, that I think you're on maybe two or three different tracks. You'll see which tracks you're on. And, oh, you know, I see. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll listen to those, obviously, and, and try and find yourself. Not like the uh, the RRR comp, uh, you know, uh, the... Oh. It was the Lock Crew 500, oh, RR 500 try, thing. Try to or find like, your track. Pango gave a thing. I'm like, we're never going to find this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's one where maybe the MP3s are better because like yeah. they're labeled, you know. Um, but uh, the other thing is like, you know, I talked about the trust of the contributors. Like I mangled some of the contributions. So like there, there are times when I would like, add effects to or manipulate or pitch shift or reverse or, you know, I, so I did take some freedoms. I, I try to like yeah, yeah. My, my guiding principle was like, I still want the musical DNA of each contributor to come through. So if, you know, Joe Tunis is on a track, I want it to kind of have his touch in there, but also people surprised me. Like, you know, I, I would invite a guitarist to send me a track, like expecting a guitar track. And they would send me a field recording that they made of a conversation, <laughs> you know, no guitars anywhere, no instruments. So like I, I had to, re you know, it was kind of cool in that way too, to teach me that like lower your expectations or change your expectations. <laughs> like I, I remember like Scott Barastro, who's, you know, I don't, do you know Scott? He's a drummer who um, drums in that band Kahotek. Yeah, I know the I know the band name. I don't think yeah, I know he's, him, yeah. and and Curanderos with with the Bardo Pond oh, guys. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's the of drummer course, in Curanderos. Yeah, yeah. He's really nice, super nice guy. Um, uh, I invited him to you know to send a part, and I'm like, he's a great drummer. Of course, he's going to send a drum part. So he sends me like a harmonium thing, <laughs> which which is cool. I mean, it's great. And then a mandolin thing, and I was like, oh, I love that because like all the expectations that I had going in, all right, I'm going to get this person and that person and this person. I had to throw those out the window because they sent me whatever they wanted to send yeah, me. Yeah. Um, As I, th I, I sent you my broken piano pieces. I loved <laughs> like, it. That, that was, that was a <laughs> perfect example. Yeah. Some of my friends, I, I'm really connected to, from my time over in Scotland with a bunch of Scottish uh, friends that are in the noise and experimental scenes in Scotland. And some of them just sent amazing things that, that you never would have expected. You know, like um, my, I mean, I probably would have expected some of this from Ali Robertson of Usurper, but he, you know, he sends me like 
you know, throat sounds that he made, just like weird sounds or nostril sounds when he was congested, you know, blowing his nose. I'm like, this is going to make it in there somewhere. It's going <laughs> to, you know, someone's going to have to listen really carefully to find that deep in the mix, but it's in there. Um, but those guys are amazing improvisers and amazing experimental musicians and, you know, super inspiring to me. So like, also a way to connect with my Scottish friends, like selfishly, just to be, to feel like I'm still collaborating with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fun. Um, so like that was one of the projects that I had like this and then the duos, I did a duo with Mike Griffin actually. Oh, right. For, uh, yeah. For yeah. Uh, Russ Waterhouse and his wife's uh, label. And yeah. then, you know, they were doing a similar, like asking two people to Distant collaborate duos. and then, and then yeah. you didn't, you, you didn't talk to the other person. You didn't hear the other piece. So you have to think of like something that's uh kind of a blank canvas sort of, yeah. you know, like something that's not too worked out. So right. then it's right. easy to put two things together, you know? I agonized over my contribution to that. I was like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? Should I like, do I do a guitar thing? Do I do an electronics thing? Do I do something abstract? Do I do something with rhythm? Like, and then I was like, wait a second, that's not the spirit of this thing. Like, I'm just going to yeah. record for five minutes and see what happens. I, um, you know, I've, I've, I've improv with people who do electronic, you know, Nuge does modular synthesis stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times like that, I have a hard time melding guitar and that together it doesn't uh, always work live set. Yeah, yeah. yeah so i listened to a ton of like mike's recordings that i had to kind of get my head around it and then i'm like all right i think i just need to like i, I approach it more from like texture right um and just to get it so like a texture or tone i could envision working and i love right, what right. russ did you know that that project like, is yeah. amazing for for yeah. anyone listening who has not checked out it's the band camp is still up it's called distant, yeah, distant duos, duos. Just Google distant duos band. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put a like, link in the show notes for that. Yeah, man, that was a huge inspiration. I, w I was so excited to be asked to do that. And like I did mine with Michael Troutman, who's, you know, amazing. Um, Weirding module is his solo project. And he was the bass player in that band. Awesome color. Um, oh, yeah, right. Who, who were on ecstatic. Peace. I always forget and, that he was in that band. Yeah, he's an amazing bass player. But I didn't know, like, is he going to send a bass part? Is it, he does a lot of synth stuff as Weirding module. Yeah, he's been doing field recordings. He's been doing these like sort of um, uh, Indian flute sort of recordings that he you know records on a real flute sort of thing. And I was like, I don't know what he's going to send me. So I'm just going to record something. And I love the track that we came up with together. Um, it, almost all of them. I mean, I don't know how many they did at the end, but almost all of those duos somehow sound really good. Yeah, yeah. There were like one or two where I was like, eh. I'm not super into that, but, but like very few. And and some of them are, are staggering. Like, yeah. And they were putting yeah. out like five every other week or something yeah. like that or every couple of weeks. Yeah. I want to do, I, one of my other ideas soon is so I still do a radio show on our campus radio station. Um, Cause I can't get college radio out of my blood. Um, <laughs> and uh, I want to do a show that's devoted just to the distant duos where I basically do two hours of like, back-to-back -back yeah, distant duos yeah, yeah and just uh, play, awesome. play like the the best ones um i should i should get that together yeah once uh well, yeah once parallel systems is out I, I can do that i can feature a whole bunch of tracks i'm excited for people to hear it i don't know you know like it, it was just amazing to get like Guy picciotto from fugazi mike watt <laughs> it's just like i can't even imagine like ever playing with those guys but, but like i sort of felt like i did in a way mm -hmm. 
and the stuff they sent me, the stuff, the stuff, the track that Guy sent me is just incredible. I mean, it's like, wow, not what I expected at all. It's a guitar thing, but it's like not, I mean, it, it is, it's out there. It's, it doesn't sound like Fugazi, um, <laughs> but it's amazing, you know? Uh, so it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, this has been a blast, Joe. It's so much fun to talk. Yeah, thanks for uh, agreeing to do this. Yeah, of course. All right. right cool, man. Take See care. See you later. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Eric again for uh, letting me steal some hours of his life for that interview. He was a great sport. Uh, we had a great time talking. He was also kind enough to send me some tracks from the forthcoming Parallel Systems, which I'm going to be playing next. What you heard before, uh, in between kind of the various parts of that last interview, were uh, at the beginning Rambutan, Out of the Void from the Slit LP, The Migration of Warm Rivers with Shumoto on Lost Forest. Then you heard Sky Furrows with Ensenada from the self-titled LP on Tape Drift, Skell, and Filthy Rex Records. And then you heard Spiral Wave Nomads, Evidence of New Gravitation from their latest LP, First Encounter. That's on Twin Lakes and Feeding Tube. These next uh, three tracks, Eric gave me, they're from the Parallel Systems double CD that's going to be coming out in uh, the summer, June or July. He didn't really tell me who's on those, so uh, you'll have to figure that out. And uh, once the release comes out, I highly encourage you to pick it up and then you can kind of match back what they were. There's a ton of links that I included in the show notes, so uh, definitely check those out for various projects of Eric and related labels, other things we talked about in the episode. Thanks again for listening. This is My Teeth Need Attention. Follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash Tunis. Rate and review us and uh, share some links to your friends. And thanks again, all right? Uh, enjoy these next three tracks from the Parallel Systems Rambutan release forthcoming this summer. Take care. Have a great week. Bye. All right, here we go.
with spineless scales. With pyramidal whorls. The crown is open. twisted and dwarfed in exposed locations.
eastern pines form pure stands. Thank mm-hmm. you.